What the hell is up, you guys? Today, I got Kelvi Kai on the podcast to talk to you all about NFTs and the future of making money and investing and artwork. He's going to share with you his vegan journey, which began 10 years ago, and how it led him to where he's at today. And in this episode, we're going to also share with you guys some great traveling tips as a vegan He has traveled all over the world, and now he is settled in New York City where he's launching a project uh, with NFTs, and he's planning on building a vegan Soho house. We're going to talk all about it and, and get into it, but this is the future, you guys. I think it's always so interesting to learn about new ideas and, and new... Uh, new concepts that are unfamiliar territory, but that could be a huge, huge hit. So go follow Kelvi uh, and follow his brand. It's called The Dodo Dow. You can look him up on Instagram, go to thedododow.com. And without further ado, enjoy the episode. I thought of what what kind of representation would be good. And since I was seeing all these NFTs about monkeys, uh, lions, mostly animals actually, I thought what would be a good representation of the vegan community? And I thought, instantly I thought of the dodo bird. And for those who know the, don't know the history of the dodo bird, we actually about three, three to 400 years ago, we ate them to extinction. So I thought that would be the perfect animal to bring back and showcase that human activity is causing harm and so much harm that we cause the species to go extinct. Thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, thank you for having me. This is awesome. I'm so excited to talk about this topic because I feel that so many people don't actually know what NFTs are and how they can be beneficial in the future. So in this episode, we're gonna break down what NFTs are, how we're gonna create an elite vegan social network and basically like a Soho house, but for vegans. And we're gonna talk about your story and you've been vegan for many, many years. So I wanna go all the way back to the beginning. So who are you? What do you do? Give us a little intro. So. My name is Kelvi Kai. I am a author. I am the founder of Dodo Dao. It's a vegan NFT. Uh, I've been vegan for about 10, 11 years now. I'm from originally from New York City. Uh, I've traveled to about 40 different countries where I've also done a, a vegan uh, YouTube where I, I went to different vegan restaurants. I've been to over about 100 vegan restaurants all over the world in Bali, in Berlin in Thailand, Australia, London, here in New York, like all over the world. So it's, yeah. That is music to my ears. What's the best one? I need to know. Oh, I mean, Bali is definitely amazing. Like there's this one place in Bali called uh, Moksa and it's basically a half raw vegan, half cooked vegan restaurant. And they have a permaculture farm in the front where they grow their vegetables, they grow their food and it's delicious. Like the first time I've ever tried raw vegan was in Bali. And at first I was like, oh, like raw vegan, this is probably not gonna taste good. And I had this raw vegan lasagna with like cashew cream and zucchini sliced and tomato. And it was just, it was amazing. It was amazing. And from then on, yeah. It's Right, yeah.
Bali is amazing. Yeah, I mean, other places are good too. And Berlin is great for uh, like affordable vegan in Europe. Like it's it's so good. They have even a vegan restaurant called Vegans. Um, London is good, but London is more expensive. Australia is also amazing, uh, but Australia is expensive also. Uh, yeah, so many good places, but yeah. So I want to get into also your traveling days, that YouTube channel that you had, I, all of it. And and I want to talk about traveling as a vegan. So I guess start, start off by telling me a little bit about how you even went vegan. So 10 years ago, it wasn't even really a thing. Yeah, I mean, when I would tell people I was vegan, they were like, but do you still eat fish? And also people still do that nowadays, but it was like less known. It's like, what's the difference between vegan and, and vegetarian? Um, but it happened actually when Tumblr was really big. I went on a Tumblr vegan blog and uh, I saw this guy called Gary Yavoski. Uh, I don't know if you ever heard of him, but he's retired now. Yeah, he's like, he's the OG. Um, before, you know, before like Earthing Ed and all these amazing and great vegan activists. But he got me on with his like, this college speech and it was just like, he hit all the, the, the points. I was just like, wow, like I can't believe I've never thought of this before. And from then on, I was just like, I started just, I didn't go, I didn't go 100%, but I, I gave up salmon, then I gave up a meat, then I gave up chicken, then I gave up milk, dairy, and then full vegan. So with a matter of like a month or so, I was like vegan. Yeah, and it's super interesting that when you actually start thinking logically about animal agriculture and when you actually listen to a speech like Gary Yarovsky's speech on YouTube, it it makes you think. And there actually just is no logical explanation against harming animals. It just it, it makes absolutely no sense. So that's amazing. I wish 10 years ago I saw it. I've only been vegan for almost five years. and. Uh, you know, it's my one regret is that I didn't do it sooner. Yeah, I think most people, that's what they say, that they don't, they regret not doing it sooner, but yeah. Yeah, so you grew up in New York City. I did as well. Where did you go to high school? Uh, well, actually, I grew up, I, I went to elementary school here, but I went to high school in Jersey and in, uh, in, in a city called Hackensack, yeah. Gotcha. Okay, I know where Hackensack is. Yeah, that's great. That's great. So, okay, so you were in New York City, you moved to Hackensack. What got you into traveling the world? And and tell me about those experiences. When did you start traveling? So I started traveling actually right out of high school. I went and joined the Navy, the military. Um, and then I did that for like two years. And then after that, um, I started traveling. I My first trip was actually... I went to Cartagena and I stayed in a hostel and I was like mind blown. I, was, I never knew what a hostel, you know what hostels are? I do, but tell my audience. So hostels are just, they're really a great experience. A lot of people kind of are scared of them because it's kind of like a dorm bed. You, you, you can either rent a private room or a shared room. So you can get either four or six or up to 12 beds. So you, you rent a single bed and it's so cheap. It's some places it's, it can range from $5 a night to $15, $20 a night for a really, really, really nice one. And then from then I started traveling and just meeting all these people from all around the world. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to do this for a whole year. So I ended up buying a flight to Paris for like $150 in January. And from then I went to Paris. I went to Europe for three months, Barcelona, uh, Berlin, London, Portugal, all these places. And then I went to Bali for two months, Thailand, Australia, India, Dubai, all over. And yeah, and then and I was and people were like, "How are you vegan and traveling?" Because that's that's one of the hardest things people say. How can you travel as a vegan? And what I tell people is actually quite easy. Because if when you're not vegan, you're not really looking for vegan restaurants. But when you are vegan, you have apps like Happy Cow or just you can nowadays you can just Google a vegan restaurant, 
And even still, even if there are no vegan restaurants, there's still vegan options, but even still, every place always has some fruits and vegetables around that you can just grab some, some fruits, some grains, some rice, some pasta, and you can make it vegan, so. Absolutely, and it's probably cheaper that way too because um, pasta is what, like $2? Like beans are 80 cents, potatoes are, you know, 79 cents or whatever. So it is definitely doable. And I always say the airport stuff is always so expensive. So it's best to buy at a supermarket beforehand or once you get to the location, that kind of thing. But that's amazing. And so did you save up for a year beforehand? Yeah, yeah. When I went to Cartagena, I came back and then I saved for a few months. And it takes a lot less than people think. For traveling for about almost a year, I only, I only, how much do you think that I spent for like a year of traveling for 20, 20 different countries? Oh my God, I just think about how much I spent in a week. It's horrible. So I can only imagine, I don't know, like uh, uh, 20,000? 20, 20,000. That's so cheap. Mo yeah, yeah, yeah. Most people, most people will spend like a few thousand in a week or two at a, like going yeah. hard at a resort or just like spending a lot of money. I spent for almost a year around seven thousand dollars seven thousand and that includes flights food hotel stay renting scooters going out and trips in bali excursions everything seven thousand dollars i can write a whole like budget travel guide on, on on top of this were you making money at all no no it was all savings all savings it's just a matter of just like staying in hostels and like going and meeting people there who also are are budgeting traveling people who stay in hostels know how to budget travel so you go and you, you're meeting people and you're just going out to different places and yeah, I, I didn't really, most most of my money I saved too was because I don't really drink alcohol as much I don't go out to bar and spend money on alcohol. A lot of the money that I did spend was when I went out to vegan restaurants because that was the bulk of also my money too. I went out to these nice vegan restaurants to like do this YouTube. So I probably would have even spent less. Wow, that is super, super interesting. And I feel like we could do a whole podcast just on that. Uh, and just, you know, saving money and whatnot. But today, you guys, we're going to talk a little bit about how you're going to make some money in the future. And we're going to get into what you're up to these days. So you come back from your travels, then what? I was working on my YouTube channel and then I started writing the book, The Vegan Handbook. And then, yeah, I published it on Amazon and Barnes & Noble. But it took, it took me a while to write because I wanted, I was just like, all the conversations that I had from, from people from all over the world, it's, it's interesting because every time I talk to someone, there's always something new that I hear. This like this different version of why they can't go vegan. And I'm just so always so surprised. I'm like, how, like where did you come up with this? So I, I just, I've had so many debates and so many conversations. And I was just like, I have all this knowledge. Let me put it in a book and have it for, give it to people. So I ended up doing that and writing the book. That's brilliant. So when you recommend the book to people, are you recommending it more for non-vegans or more for vegans? I recommend it for everybody. I mean, even as a vegan, depending on I mean, how long you've been vegan, um, whether it's like a few months or a few years, or if you're not vegan, it has something for everybody. You can always learn. I mean, education is not just like, oh, I'm educated now. I'm a vegan. I know everything about veganism. Um, so it's, 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 it's tailored for everybody. You can learn something. It has topics from religion um, to relationships to travel as a vegan to the arguments the common arguments the misconceptions it has almost everything you can possibly think about 
And I think as a movement, it, it makes us a lot stronger when we have our facts down and when we are educated. So having a guide like that for people to read through is super, super helpful. I remember when I first went vegan and when I first really became an activist, which was about six months after like I transitioned to a fully plant-based diet, I read Earthling Ed's ebook and it was basically just going through every single excuse and how to respond to all the, the comebacks. So it sounds similar, but he, you know, in the way that he did it, it was more so the Socratic method and like how to ask people questions back so that then they ultimately get to a place where they say the logic that we're trying to get to would break down. I met Earthling Ed, he came to Columbia University and gave one of his speeches. But yeah, I've watched so many of his his conversations with people where he sits down and just asks, well, well, why do you think this? Well, why do you do this? The Socratic method of just keep keep probing deeper and deeper of, of the real reason why they are not vegan or why they think it's okay to do this to animals. Yeah. Yeah, it is brilliant. And I think we need all of it. I think we need table discussions. I think we need films and videos about this. I think we need rescues. I think we need grassroots activism and anti-fur protesting. What do you find are effective ways of activism and how do you think we can get the message out there more? Well, I mean, I think the best way is leading by example, right? And being able to have that, once you have that knowledge of what veganism is and you're fully aware and educated, then when someone talks to you and asks, you know, why are you vegan? You can give them your reasoning, not from a condescending point of view, because most people think you're being condescending when you're vegan, even though you're, you're really, we're really not, we're just expressing our lifestyle, but people think we're coming off as condescending. But when you're, when you're coming off and you're showing, hey, look, I'm vegan and this is my lifestyle and I'm still alive, I've been doing this for a long time, I get my protein, I get all my vitamins, I can eat healthy, nutritious food and do everything you do, but vegan, then people will be like, wow, like, all right, you know, let me give this a chance, let me give this a shot. It's super ironic because all we're really saying is stop farming animals. It really has nothing to do with us. Like, it's such a, it's a cause that's so outside of ourselves that for people to even think that we're condescending, it's just a reflection on how they really feel about it. And I feel like it's their own guilt shining through. It's just at the end of the day, what veganism means is it's about treating all living creatures and beings with respect and reducing suffering and reducing harm. Nobody can be perfect, but it's about reducing our uh, footprint and direct suffering, you know, yeah. so. And most people believe in that. Yeah, most people believe in them. I, I feel like most people believe in the ideologies of veganism, but they're just not practicing vegans. Like everyone thinks, okay, we shouldn't harm animals unnecessarily. Like if we don't have to, we shouldn't hurt dogs, we shouldn't hurt cats, we shouldn't hurt animals. But we've been conditioned to believing in this carnism ideology of, hey, it's okay because society thinks it's okay. Exactly. And I feel that what we try to do as activists is just reconnect people with their true nature and with their their heart. And what we've always as a kid, you know, we, we, we don't we love animals. We don't want to cause harm and suffering. It's it's only learned behavior that we're taught. Oh, OK, you can love one animal and eat and hurt and harm another animal. When I was in university, I was a substitute teacher. And I would talk to kids about veganism and what they thought about eating animals. And then when, once you tell them that, hey, this chicken finger you're eating, this chicken nugget you're eating, or this burger you're eating is an animal, they're like, what? They don't, they don't even think like it's an animal. And they're like, oh my God, I, I don't want to eat this anymore. I don't want to eat it. I don't want to hurt animals anymore. And it's just, yeah, the disconditioning. 
I mean, let's let's have the, the the advertisements be a little bit more realistic and true, right? Let's not have happy cow on the labels. Let's not have free range, cage free chickens because we know it's all BS. Let's actually have uh, what really happens. Let's play the slaughter footage in the supermarket aisles, and then you tell me how humane it is. Let consumers at least make an informed decision. And that unfortunately, people are just not exposed to it. In fact, it's illegal to film inside these places. It's completely hidden from people. Uh, and so that's why we expose it. Yeah, if it's not if it's not good enough for your eyes, why is it good enough for your stomach? You know, that's what like the saying goes. I love that. I love, love, love that. So where can people find your ebook? Uh, they can find it at on Amazon. We go to Amazon, type in the vegan handbook, uh, Kai. Uh, or they can find it at Barnes and Nobles. It's also um, in the Library of Congress. And if they want, they can also message me and message, and I'll send them a free ebook. I actually just put it on there at like cost, so that I don't really make any profit off it, just so that people can have it and and get some knowledge off it. So yeah, that's so great. So so nice that you did that. So tell me a little bit about the Soho House and your work there. Yeah. So I was working at Soho House. And it's basically, for those who don't know what Soho House, it's a membership club. Um, you can go there only if you know a member or if you are a member. And it's a creative house for creatives. And they have them all over the world. And basically you pay, it, you, you pay a membership fee, you pay an application fee, you apply. And it's very selective. They only select a few people um, to go in in the creative industries, whether you work um, like in a creative advertisement for Nike or you're an artist or a photographer or a model and all these things yeah so that's what uh so basically i was working there at a soho house and uh from there i got an idea i, I was thinking to myself uh why not we why not create something like this but like a vegan community of a, a vegan membership club where you know people who are vegan can go and have a place like a kind of like a safe haven but also a place to uh meet other like-minded people and yeah, to have a, a in real life place where you can meet people. And that kind of goes into the NFTs and how you thought to tie the two of them together. So let's talk a little bit about NFTs. What are they? Break it down. I don't really know what the hell they are. So please enlighten me. So an NFT stands for a non-fungible token, right? Uh, basically the way that it operates, it operates off something called the blockchain. Not to get too specific into that, but the idea behind an NFT is similar to owning a stock in a corporation. So when people think, oh, it's just a picture, why would I pay so much money for a picture? When in reality, the picture is just a, represent, a stock representation of something you own, of your share in the corporation or the company or the organization, for example. So, for example, there's like the Board 8 Yacht Club um, is an NFT and people will pay out hundred thousand dollars five hundred thousand dollars for this this nft to be in the community and their their picture that they get is just a certificate that says hey you own this but there's also code behind that that is proof that you own it and you your nft goes into something called a digital wallet so whenever you want to access something within the community you have to sign in with your digital nft wallet and then you get access to private parties private events um you know uh, like a uh, gaming event and whatever whatever the project has for you, now that you own own an NFT from that community, you can have access to that. Gotcha. So you developed a line of vegan NFTs. Right. Talk a little bit about the artwork behind that 
how you got involved and and what the dodo really means. Right. So for my my idea was I when I was thinking about creating an NFT, I thought of what what kind of representation would be good. And since I was seeing all these NFTs about monkeys, uh, lions, mostly animals actually, I thought what would be a good representation of the vegan community. And I thought instantly, I thought of the dodo bird. And for those who know the, don't know the history of the dodo bird, we actually about three three to four hundred years ago we ate them to extinction. So I thought that would be the perfect animal to bring back and showcase that human activity is causing harm and so much harm that we caused the species to go extinct. So from there, I was like, this would be like the like the great great image of the vegan community. And what makes it vegan is it's not necessarily the not necessarily the technology in itself because um, a, a lot of uh, a lot of NFTs also use a lot of energy. For example, a lot of there's a kind of a stigma that uh, cryptocurrencies and NFTs get. So there's this blockchain called Ethereum, and a lot of NFTs go on the Ethereum blockchain, and that uses a lot of energy. But my NFT is actually going to go on the Solana blockchain, which actually uses a whole uh, uses a minimal amount of energy, very very low amount of energy. So that also makes it kind of sustainable and that's why i chose the solana blockchain but the reason it's vegan is because the project is going to be is going to once the project once we have a good amount of people invested in the project the idea is to have people vote on vegan projects so we're going to take the pool of money and donate to animal sanctuaries to vegan vegan foundation to vegan projects to vegan businesses that want to that want to come up and also to start an in real life a kind of vegan Soho house where people can go and it's uh, anyone can buy the NFT, whether you're vegan or not, you can buy the NFT. And then what we're going to do is we're going to find a space where we can rent out and then have people come in and it's going to be all plant-based foods. It's going to be a raw vegan kitchen, um, comfort food, um, vegan desserts and stuff like that as the basis for the foundation. But then on top of that, veganism is just a foundation. So what I want to do also is have a wellness community on top of that and events. So it's going to be all yoga, well, like breath work, sound baths, um, conscious conversations, also artwork, bringing people together that, you know, veganism is just the basis that, that all people should be living by. A lot of people look at veganism, veganism as the goal. I look at it as just the foundation of that every person should be vegan from then on then we can start talking about hey what are the real issues that are facing humanity like there's there's a ton of issues out there that we still need to face even if the whole world went vegan it wouldn't solve all the world's woes so from then on i want to talk have conversations have volunteerism have people bring ideas together and how can we pull our money together and do more for the community do more for the world start small and then just start expanding I really want this thing to like start tomorrow. This sounds amazing. This sounds like everything I've ever wanted and needed in my life. I always say the only time I see like my good vegan friends were like at a freaking slaughterhouse. It sucks. You know what I mean? So it would be really nice to have an incredible community and a, a beautiful building where we can all get together and make art and, you know, design posters and come up with a, more effective tactics and, and ways of activism and do film screenings and just all of it. But my one question is, how do people buy into it and is it accessible for somebody like me that just graduated college that doesn't have a dime to my name you know what i mean like i, I like to live large but i don't necessarily like have the means to do it 
Right. Well, yeah, most people think that like when they when they hear of NFTs, they think about the most popular NFTs, which are the Board of Yacht Club or, or uh, crypto, you know, citizens or whatever. And they go for, you know, they go for a hundred thousand. They go for fifty thousand dollars for one NFT. But my NFT is going to be around two hundred dollars, maybe even less for people who get early on the whitelist, half that a hundred dollars. And the idea is to get since we're selling so much, it's about five thousand NFTs. We're able, we're able to raise a lot of money through volume. And once that volume is raised, then people will have the ability to, to, you know, vote on projects. And the way that you buy it, I'm going to have a tutorial on my website. It's the, the dododao.com. And on the website, it's going to show you easily how to download a, a wallet for your phone, for your, for your computer, and how to go on the website and purchase the NFT simply just buying a little bit of crypto, a little bit of Solana. You, you put, it, put the money in your wallet. You click Mint. And boom, right there, the transaction goes through and it's in your wallet. Super easy and super cool. And you also own part of the corporation, which would be the membership to the so to the vegan, quote unquote, Soho House. Right, right. You have access. You have the ability to now become a member in the Soho House community. So from then on, so with, so people who want to be members can't be members unless they own the Dodo Dao NFT. So that's how it basically it would work. And then the way that we would fund the community is basically by having the the food. People can go in and buy vegan food. They can they can pay for the yoga classes. They can pay for um, for different like events that they want to do, art projects, if they want to do like a painting project or whatever. And basically that's what it is. And and a lot of people, I feel like this is such a great idea because like you said, act, the only time you see most of your vegan friends is through activism, right? And this is a lot of like PTSD that you know that vegans not even like. I would assume that vegan activists feel it the most, but even just being a regular vegan, I think, have you ever heard of this um, this author called Melanie Joy? We're working on a project with her now. Yeah, she's amazing. She's really amazing. I'm talking about relationships in the vegan community and how to talk to your friends and your family about being vegan and the trauma that goes behind. You know, once you go vegan and you walk into a supermarket and you're seeing all these dead bodies, and having your and being able to go out with your friends and then all your friends are ordering chicken and and body parts and and it's traumatizing right yeah so to be able to go somewhere where you feel safe where you feel like oh okay like there's people who get it there's people like me who get it who hey we don't have to contribute to this suffering absolutely so where would, where would you set this up like first one one in new york then one in la then one because you're not setting this up in the middle of uh oklahoma right right yeah you want to set it i want to set it up in new york i want the first the first uh this first community place to be in new york maybe in brooklyn maybe in somewhere in manhattan um but w w i'm still coming up with ideas and then from there we can start moving to different places to la to chicago maybe even worldwide one day like soul house it started in london and they have hundreds of houses all over the world uh communities all over for creatives so that's the idea and then yeah to be able to bring it to london to bring it to like the most popular vegan places which is london berlin um tel aviv you know all over the world and just have so when whenever you're part of this community you can go to uh the vegan the vegan house and go and check in and know that hey you're gonna have great food you're gonna be around great people and you're gonna be at home wherever you're at wherever you're traveling to
Yeah, this is so, so needed in our community. And I think what's great too is since it's not necessarily like you have to be vegan to go, you can also have a lot of spiritual people and expose these people like yogis and healers and just people that like to eat healthy. You can then expose them to the vegan message and hopefully even just help to draw more people in just through the, the this positivity. Right. Yeah. And the more I mean, the more people contribute to vegan projects, the the less money is contributed to, you know, these stuff, these, these the animal agriculture projects. So if you're also if you're vegan and you're bringing your friends as guests into that place and they're trying this food and it's like, wow, this is great. And the people who are here who are great. When I, when I travel to all these vegan restaurants all around the world, over 100 vegan restaurants, what I've noticed the most is that when I go there, I feel great. I feel like everyone who's who's in a vegan place is at least of like good heartedness. Like I can, I know that if I leave my phone, no one's gonna steal it. I, that's just how I, how I feel. I feel like good around vegan people. Like they're, they're good hearted people, at least at the, at the minimum. I could not agree more with you. I could absolutely not agree more with you. Like as soon as I walk into a vegan place, it's just like, I don't have to worry about what's in my food. I can go up to any table. I really do feel that um, as, as soon as I meet another vegan, it's just like an immediate instant connection uh, we could have just met and I feel like I've known you for years. You know, it's that kind of feeling and it just, we kind of just get it. We, we, we are aligned on such an important moral issue. And I love how you said before, you're like, veganism should actually be the baseline. And then from there, we can focus on all the issues in the world, but just not slitting a cow's throat is like, the bare minimum like right. let's just not do that <laughs> yeah yeah i think that like we're the society is so messed up it's so caught up in thinking that this is natural this is this is the way things are that when you're vegan you're like oh the the goal is to make everyone vegan the goal is to make everyone vegan and no that's like the foundation that's what everyone should be at the, at the minimum you know i mean obviously not everyone's going to be that way but if we can get at least you know 90 to 95% of the world eventually one day then that'll be the baseline. Like there's no word for someone who's a non-murderer, right? There's no one, there's no word for someone who's a non-rapist, but why is there someone, a word like, like veganism shouldn't really exist. Like I wanna, I wanna go to, I wanna live in a day where you don't have to say I'm vegan, right? You have to say, oh, I'm a meat eater. A word like I'm a carnivore or an omnivore. Instead of asking people, hey, are you vegan? No, no, like everyone is vegan. You're the one that should be like, oh, I'm an omnivore, sorry, you know. You're the freaking weirdo that eats body parts. <laughs> right, right, exactly. So that's the thing, Call you know. Call them out. Call them out. <laughs> I would love to make it socially unacceptable, and it really yeah. should be. Yeah. You're 100% yeah. right. The same way that, you know, being, you know, being a racist is, is wrong or being, you know, anti being homophobic is wrong. The way that all these things are like, we feel like, hey, these are wrong things to be. It should also, this should also be eating meat should feel like, oh, no, 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 like, I don't eat meat. No, of course not. Like, that's wrong. Everyone should feel inherent, like, like something in their, in their soul, in their heart that eating meat is, or even buying or purchasing leather or animal products or whatever. What do you think made us wake up out of, you know, the billions of people in the world? Why us? I don't know. I think, I think it's probably, it just probably aligns with who we are. I think a lot of people who are the first vegans like us who are vegans, we're, we're more, we're more empathetic to understanding, I would say to like, we, we can put it in perspective. Not to say that people who aren't, 
I don't I don't want to like say the wrong words, but I don't I don't want to say that people who aren't vegan aren't empathetic because they're people who aren't vegan are also kind and compassionate. It's just that this is brainwashing that some people just haven't been able to like get past because I mean I I myself thinking that I'm a smart person, I was still eating animal parts, right? I was still eating meat, I was still consuming cheese and all these products, thinking like, "Oh yeah, I'm smart, I know what I'm doing." But it didn't click for me until I saw that video. And even though some people do see the video, do see this, and they still don't want to change, it's the conditioning behind it, the brainwashing. And for them, it's just that it hasn't clicked. They don't, they don't see it. And smart people, kind people can be smart, can be kind, but still do the wrong thing. You know, there's, there's plenty of smart people who say stupid stuff. So yeah, that's what I say. That's what I, I think. I love how you said that because I find that some of the people that I love the most in the world and some of the people that I respect and that I admire and that I find intelligent are so stupid when it comes to this <laughs> issue of animal agriculture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's yeah. unbelievable. It's like, what aren't you like? For me, it's almost like it, it just the, it's like a light switch. It's like, oh, you told me this information? Okay, I'm gonna change. Like, it only just comes naturally. It just makes sense. So I feel like one, until we can figure out what it is that will like actually deprogram people and get them to open their eyes, it's like we're amongst these people that have their eyes shut. Until we can get them to open their eyes, it's like what, what will do that and how can we do this on a massive scale? Yeah, and that's why I want to do this project. I mean, also too, for example, one of my heroes is uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson, who's a very smart, smart guy, who's very scientific. But when asked about animal agriculture, he's like, he's like, cows are made to turn grass into beef. And someone was like, what? How could you say something like this? Like, you're an intelligent human being, yet you're saying something that doesn't make sense logically. And that's what we need to do. I mean, it, like, one of my friends, when I did a podcast, he told me that, that actually the way to make the whole world vegan, like it's gonna be really hard unless you legislate it. But then then I hear people like Earthling Ed say that they don't wanna legislate it. They want people to go vegan on their own. And I, I get both sides. But then I also think about a time where like, we used to own people, slavery, right? And it took legislating, going to war, having a civil war here in the United States to tell people, hey, it's wrong to own another human being. So when I think about the world going vegan, I'm thinking like, wow, like it took people killing each other, making it law, going to a civil war to tell people, hey, you can't hold another human being. Imagine telling someone that, hey, you can't do this to an animal. That's like a hurdle that's like way higher. I think until people start to realize how it affects humans and how horrific animal agriculture is for humans, whether it's the slaughterhouse workers that are involved, whether it's our planet and how we're not gonna have water and how we're causing climate change. Like until we can actually show those effects, like maybe because people are so selfish, it'll it'll take that to open, open their eyes. Right, yeah. Have you ever heard of a guy called Paul Watson? I have actually, wasn't he in Sea Shepherd? Yeah, C he's yeah, he's like uh, one of the like founding members of Sea Shepherd, I believe. But he has this very famous quote. He says, he says, if you, he says like he talks about the civil rights movement. He says, where you stand on civil rights, don't ask yourself where you stand on civil rights today. Ask yourself where you where you would stand on civil rights, um, like if it was back in like the days where it wasn't acceptable, right? And then ask yourself the same question with veganism. Right, people, people will say the same thing about veganism because in the future, everyone will be vegan eventually where we'll have vegan products everywhere. So people are like, oh yeah, I'm vegan now because it's acceptable. It's the same thing with civil rights and like treating people with dignity. People say, oh, I'm for civil rights now. I'm for like, you know, 
all these like you know all these activism stuff now because it's socially acceptable that's the issue that is so so true and you can put that in any context like think about the holocaust would you have been somebody that was trying to help these people and and help people escape from this horrific horrific war or would you just keep silent and just do what the status quo was at the time and i feel like whatever you're doing uh whatever you are doing now in a time of injustice is probably what you would have been doing back then Right, right. You know, no, it's I mean, it's it's hard pill to swallow, but it's it's probably the truth that most people would have would have done how they feel about veganism now is probably how they would have felt back then about whatever the right. whatever that cause was. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. No, I think that that's a really, really great way to put it, and it, it does bring a lot of things into perspective for sure. Um, so I'm trying to see if there's any other topics that I wanted to kind of delve into with you. I guess what are your, what are your next steps in in building this project out? Right. So the 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 project is mostly built. The website is built. Um, I'm working on a Discord right now. Do you know what Discord is? Have you used Discord? I've never used it, but it isn't it that chat. Yeah, yeah. It's like a chat. Yeah, it's almost like a WhatsApp, but like like more intense with like different servers and chat groups. Um, and basically, yeah, once you like, once you're able to own the NFT, you'll be able to access like a private Discord chat where you can chat with other members, other community members on the chat. So right now I'm working on the marketing side because that's one of the biggest part of the NFT is getting it out there, right? Having people, hey, this is NFT product uh, launch, um, sign up for it and like, or at least learn a little bit more about it. So I'm trying to find ways to get people aware of it through marketing. That's the next goal. And yeah, this is why I'm on the podcast to spread the information out and get people aware that, hey, this is, this is what most people would want, like a vegan community, a vegan, uh, a vegan place where you can go and hang out and like meet people. So what's the initial payment? I gotta, I gotta invest. Uh, well, the initial payment for the whitelist uh, for the first like, 500 to 1,000 people is $100. Um, and then from there, you have access to your NFT. And then once the 1,000 people buy the NFT, then from then on, it's going to be $200. And then once the project sells out, then actually, actually, it could be worth even more. I mean, if you buy this product for $100, this NFT, or $200, and more people, the more people want it, the more it goes up in value. So you can, you know, you can eventually. I'm if you, I don't know if you know, but Board Ape Yacht Club, all these NFTs that go for five hundred thousand, six hundred thousand, they were given away for about a hundred dollars, about fifty dollars each. They were practically giving them away, and now they're worth five hundred thousand dollars for but the isn't same product. It only, it's only because people assign value to it, right? Right. That's every. That's everything, though. I mean, what what's that? What 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 has what does something have value because it has inherent value or because people give it value, right? A, a piece of uh, a plastic. Uh, you buy you go to a store, you buy a water bottle. It's a dollar, but then you go to you know a movie theater and it's ten dollars. Or you if you're in the desert, that same water bottle is now worth a thousand. You give your your if you're in the desert and you're thirsty, you would give all your money for that water bottle. Whatever the, whatever the value is is whatever you're willing to pay for it. And that NFT that people are willing to pay $500,000 is because it's gotten into a, a, a status symbol. It's the same way, same, same thing as any art. I mean, there's arts that are worth $100 million. I mean, a Picasso or a Mona Lisa, why is it worth, why is it priceless? Why is it worth no amount of money you can buy it? 
It's the same thing with an NFT, right? An NFT isn't a piece of art, but it has, it has more utility, more value where you can use it and you're part of this community. So is the vegan NFTs only going to be valuable to our vegan community or are other people going to want it, do you think? Well, I think it depends. I mean, I think there's also people who buy NFTs to invest. So some people could look at this project and be like, wow, I really think this project is going to take off. Let me buy like three or four of them and then they hold on to it. And then they start flipping them for a thousand, two thousand dollars once that once the value goes up. So there are people who are going to hold it longer. There's people who are going to buy a few of them and hold it as an investment, a uh, long term investment. And some people who are going to buy it and say, hey, like I, I want to support this project. And also by owning an NFT, the, the, the way that I named the NFT is called the Dodo DAO. DAO is also a different part of an NFT. It's, a, it's something similar, but also different. DAO stands for Decentralized Autonomous Organization, which in a DAO, you get to vote on projects. So with, with, with having ownership in the vegan NFT, you're going to be able to uh, put up um, voting for like on the, on the blockchain and have people say, hey, do we want to work on this project? Do we want to come together and spend money on this project, on that project? And people will use their NFT to cast a vote. So, and you'll know that th that vote is authentic because the only way they could have casted that vote is through an NFT, is if they're actually a shareholder in the project. Got you, got you, got you. It's, it, it's definitely complicated, but I think when you break it down the way you did, I understand it a lot better and I'm super interested in it. I'm super interested in the vegan house and I think it's a really, really good idea and you gotta obviously get investors. Yeah, well, well the, thing with, the thing with investors too is the whole reason we're doing the NFT is so that we can be the investors, right? So when you buy the NFT, you're, we're raising money into this project and being able to to create this community and and yeah there'll probably be some people who would want to invest and if we're looking into that we can take that money and put it into the pool and people can decide how they want to spend that money as an nft holder think about it think about it yeah, if you own apple stock or tesla stock it's the same way you're you're a shareholder in this stock so you get to you have voting rights even though it's so small because apple is such a big company you still have a like 0. 0.00001 like voting in the apple company it's the same thing with the NFT, except it's much smaller. It's about 5,000 people. So you have a, a voting right within that company. A bigger share almost. A bigger share, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I am so excited for this and I'm very, very curious as to where this is gonna go and the future of NFTs because I'm reading a book by Gary Vee and he, if you guys don't know who he is, he's this motivational speaker dude, and he talks all about NFTs and he thinks it's gonna be the next big thing. I mean, he thinks that this is where our future is headed. And I, I, I think it's uh, something to look into and being that most of you guys are vegans that are listening, you should definitely check out um, all the good stuff that we're talking about. So where can people find you? How do people get more involved? Give us the rundown. Yeah, so I have the website. The It's called www.thedododao.com. And also the Instagram is thedododao and the Twitter is thedododao. Uh, but from the website, you'll be able to email me and contact me if, if you want, if you have any more questions. I'm gonna create a, a Discord pretty soon where I'm gonna have a lot of like uh, announcements uh, about when the project is going live, when you can buy one because you're not able to buy one yet. If you want to get on the whitelist, get in early and 
Uh, you can also message me about that so you can get a discount on it on the NFT before it comes out, before it gets sold out. Um, so yeah, that's where people can contact me. I definitely want that. Yeah, yeah. So I gotta cool. join the discourse. And you guys, you know where to find me. I'm at JLo Kurtz. This is It's Jamie's Corner. And thank you so much for listening. And thank you for coming on, Kelby. Yeah, thank you for having me, of course. All right, bye.